Section twenty four of the Shuans by Honore de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Chapter three I. Three hours later, Mademoiselle de Vernoy, who stood in fear of Corentin's return, stole out of Saint Leonard's gate and took the narrow path down the Nido Croc, which led into the Nanson Valley. She thought herself safe as she went unnoticed through the labyrinth of tracks which led to Galope Chopin's cabin, whither she betook herself with a light heart for the hope of happiness led her on as well as the strong wish to save her lover from the dangers that threatened him corentin meanwhile went in quest of the commandant he had some difficulty in recognizing hulot when he came upon him in a little square where the commandant was deep in military preparations indeed the brave veteran had made a sacrifice of which the merit can hardly be estimated his cue had been cut off he had shaved his moustache and there was a trace of powder about his hair which was clipped as short as a priest's he wore great iron-bound shoes and had exchanged his old blue uniform and his sword for goatskins a belt adorned with pistols and a heavy carbine thus accoutred he was reviewing two hundred of the townsmen of fougere whose costumes might have deceived the eyes of the most expert chouan the martial fervor of the little town and of the native breton character was very evident there was no novelty about the spectacle here and there a mother or sister carried to a son or brother a gourd of brandy or pistols that had been forgotten a number of old men were investigating the quality and quantity of the cartridges supplied to the national guards thus metamorphosed into counter shuans whose high spirits seemed more in accordance with a hunting party than with a dangerous enterprise the skirmishes of chouannerie wherein breton townsmen fought with breton peasants appeared in their eyes to be a substitute for the tournaments of chivalry possibly this fervid patriotism had its source in certain grants of national property but the benefits of the revolution which were better appreciated in the towns as well as party spirit and a characteristic and innate love of fighting all counted for something in bringing about their enthusiasm hulot went through the ranks in admiration making inquiries of goudin to whom he had transferred the friendship he had formerly entertained for merle and gerard a crowd of townspeople examining the preparations for their expedition compared the appearance of their undisciplined fellow-countrymen with that of a battalion of hulot's own demi-brigade silent and motionless the blues stood drawn up in line under the command of their officers awaiting the orders of the commandant whom the eyes of every soldier followed about from group to group as Corentin approached the chief of demi-brigade, 
he could not repress a smile at the change that had been wrought in hulot's face he looked like a portrait which no longer bears any likeness to the original what is the news now corentin asked him come and fire a shot along with us and you will know the commandant replied oh i do not belong to fougere answered corentin that is easy to see citizen said goudin a mocking laugh broke out here and there among the groups of bystanders do you imagine retorted corentin that france can only be served with the bayonet he turned his back on the scoffers and went up to one of the women to inquire the purpose and the destination of the expedition alas good sir the schumans are even now at florigny they say that they are more than three thousand strong and that they are marching on fougeres florigny cried corentin turning pale then her rendezvous is not there are they really at florigny on the road to mayenne he asked there is only one florigny the woman answered and as she spoke she indicated the road that was cut short by the summit of la pelerine are you looking for the marquis de montauran corentin asked the commandant rather hulot answered shortly then he is not at florigny corentin resumed bring your own battalion and the national guard to bear on that point but keep a few of your countershewans with you and wait for me he is too cunning to be mad the commandant exclaimed as he watched corentin set off with hasty strides he is the very king of spies hulot immediately gave his battalion a signal to depart the republican soldiers marched silently and without beat of drum through the narrow suburb that lies on the way to the mayenne road forming a long streak of blue and red among the houses and trees the disguised national guards followed them but hulot stayed behind in the little square with goudin and a score of the smartest of the young men of the town he was waiting for corentin whose enigmatical air had roused his curiosity francine herself told corentin that mademoiselle de verneuil had gone out and the keen-witted spy's surmise became a certainty he started out at once in quest of any light that he could obtain as to this abrupt departure which with good reason seemed suspicious to him corentin learned from the soldiers in the guardhouse at st leonard's gate that the fair stranger had gone down the path on the side of the nido crock he hurried to the promenade and unluckily reached it just in time to watch all marie's slightest movements from his post of observation though she had dressed herself in a hood and gown of green so as to be less conspicuous the quick uneven movements of her almost frenzied progress among the hedges now leafless and white with hoar-frost readily betrayed the direction in which she was going 
ah he cried you should by rights be on the way to florigny but you are going down the dale of gibari i am a fool after all she has tricked me patience though i can light my lamp in the daytime quite as well as at night corentin who had all but detected the spot where the two lovers were to meet hurried back into the square just as hulot was leaving it to rejoin his troops halt general he shouted and the commandant came back in a brief space corentin put the soldier in possession of the facts that seemed to be visible threads in a web as yet concealed from them hulot struck with the diplomatist's astuteness seized him by the arm mille tonnerre you are right citizen the bandits down there are making a feint the two flying columns that i set out to reconnoitre the neighbourhood which lies between the road to entrain and the road to vitre have not yet come back so we shall no doubt obtain reinforcements in the country which will come in handy for the gars is not such a fool as to venture out without his blessed screech-owls goudin he went on addressing the young fougeret hurry off and let captain lebrun know that he can do without me at florigny tell him to give the brigands there a dressing down and come back again in less than no time you know the shortcuts i shall wait for you here to set out on a hunt for the ci-devant and to avenge the murders at the vivetiere tonnerre de dieu how he runs he added as he watched goudin set off and vanish as if by magic how gerard would have liked that fellow when goudin came back he found the numbers of hulot's little band increased a few soldiers had been withdrawn from the guard-houses in the town the commandant told the young fougeret to pick out a dozen of his countrymen who were best acquainted with the risky trade of counter chouan and ordered him to make his way through st leonard's gate so as to go over the whole length of that side of the hills of st sulpice which overlooked the main valley of the Couenon, the side moreover on which galop chopin's cabin lay hulot put himself at the head of his remaining men and went out of the town through the gate of st sulpice meaning to climb the hills and to follow the line of their crests where according to his calculations he ought to fall in with beaupier and his men whom he intended to employ in forming a cordon of sentinels who should watch the crags from the suburb of st sulpice as far as the nidocroc corentin feeling quite certain that he had put the fate of the chouan chief into the hands of his bitterest foes promptly betook himself to the promenade the better to grasp the whole of hulot's military dispositions he was not slow to perceive goudin's little band as it issued from the valley of the nonson and followed the line of the crags along the side of the couenon valley 
while Hulot, breaking cover, stole under the walls of the castle of Fougeres and climbed the dangerous path that ascends to the summits of the hills of Saint-Sulpice. The two bodies of men, therefore, appeared in parallel lines. The rich tracery of hoar-frost that decorated every bush and tree had given a white hue to the countryside, and made it easy to watch the grey moving lines of the two small bodies of soldiers. When Hulot reached the level heights of the crags, he called out all the men in uniform among his troops, and Corentin saw how they were posted, by the orders of the keen-sighted commandant, as a line of patrolling sentinels, with a sufficient distance between each man. The first man of the chain communicated with Goudin, and the last with Hulot, so that there was no bush that could escape the bayonets of the three moving lines which were to hunt down the gar over hill and field. "'The old war-wolf is crafty,' cried Corentin, as the glittering points of the last bayonets disappeared in the adjuncts. "'The gar's goose is cooked.' If Marie had betrayed this accursed Marquis, she and I should have had the strongest of all bonds between us, the bond of guilt. But she shall certainly be mine. The twelve lads from Fougeres, under the command of Goudin, their sub-lieutenant, very soon reached the spot on the other side of the Saint-Sulpice crags, where they slope by degrees into the Dale of Gibari. Goudin himself left the road and vaulted lightly over the Echalier into the first field of broom that he came across. Six of his fellows went with him, while the other six, in obedience to his orders, took the fields to the right, so that in this way they beat up both sides of the road. Goudin himself hurried to an apple tree that stood in the midst of the broom. At the sound of the footsteps of the six countershuans whom Goudin led through the forest of bushes, making every effort the while not to disturb the rhyme upon them, Beaupier and seven or eight men under his command hid themselves behind some chestnut trees that grew on the summit of the hedge by which the field was surrounded. In spite of the white covering that enveloped the country, and in spite of their well-trained eyes, the lads from Fougere at first did not notice the others, who had made a sort of rampart of the trees. Hush, said Beaupier, who had raised his head first, here they are. The brigands have got ahead of us, but since we have them here at the ends of our guns, don't let us miss them, or, my word for it, we shall not even be fit to be soldiers to the Pope. Goudin's keen eyes, however, had at last discerned the barrels of the muskets that were pointed at his little party. Eight loud voices immediately shouted, Who goes there? a bitter jibe that was followed up at once by eight shots. The bullets whistled about the countershuans, one was hit in the arm and another dropped. Five of the party who remained unhurt retorted with a volley, as they answered, Friends! 
and marched rapidly upon their supposed enemies so as to come upon them before they could reload we did not know there was so much truth in what we said the young sub-lieutenant exclaimed as he recognized the uniforms and shabby hats of his demi-brigade we have acted in true breton fashion fighting first and asking for explanations afterwards the eight soldiers stood dumbfounded at the sight of goudin plague take it sir who the devil could help taking you for the brigands in those goatskins of yours cried beaupier dolefully it is unlucky and none of us are to blame for you were not told beforehand that our counter shoeins were going to make a sortie but what are you about goudin asked him we are looking out for a dozen shoeins sir who are amusing themselves by breaking our backs we have been running for it like poisoned rats but our legs are stiff with jumping over these echaliers and hedges heaven confound them so we were taking a rest i think by now the brigands must be somewhere near the shanty you see over there with the smoke rising from it good cried goudin as for you he said to beaupier and his eight men fall back across the fields on the crags of saint-sulpice and support the line of sentinels that the commandant has posted there it will not do for you to stay with us as you are in uniform mille cartouches we want to put an end to the dogs the gars is among them your comrades will tell you more about it than i can file to the left and do not fire on half a dozen of our goatskins whom you may come across you can tell our shoeins by their cravats they are wound round their necks without a knot goudin left the two wounded men under the apple-tree and went towards galop chopin's house which beaupier had pointed out to him guided by the smoke that rose from it while the young officer had been put on the track of the shuans by a chance fray common enough in this war but which might have been much more serious the little detachment under hulot's command had reached a point in his line of operations parallel with that reached by goudin on the other side the veteran at the head of his counter shuans stole noiselessly along the hedges with all the eagerness of a young man he sprang over the echaliers lightly enough even now his tawny eyes wandered over the heights and he turned his ear like a hunter towards the slightest sound in the third field which he entered he saw a woman of thirty or thereabouts engaged in hoeing she was hard at work and bending over her toil while a little boy about seven or eight years old armed with a bill-hook was shaking the hoar-frost from a few furze-bushes that had sprung up here and there before cutting them down and laying them in heaps the little urchin and his mother raised their heads at the sound that hulot made as he came down heavily on the near side of the echalier hulot readily took the young woman for an old one 
wrinkles had come before their time to furrow the skin of the breton woman's throat and brow and she was so oddly dressed in a well-worn goatskin that if a skirt of dirty yellow canvas had not denoted her sex hulot would not have known whether the peasant was a man or a woman for the long locks of her black hair were hidden away under a red woolen cap the little urchin's rags scarcely covered him and his skin showed through them hello old woman said hulot in a low voice as he came up to her where is the gar the twenty countershuans who followed him leapt the boundary into the field at that moment oh to go to the ga you must go back to the place you have come from the woman replied after she had given a suspicious glance round at the men did i ask you the way to the suburb of the ga at fougeres old scarecrow hulot answered roughly saint anne of Auray, have you seen the ga go by i do not know what you mean the woman answered stooping to go on with her work do you want the blues on our track to swallow us up accursed garce shouted hulot the woman raised her head at the words and eyed the shuans with fresh suspicion as she answered how can the blues be at your heels i have just seen seven or eight of them going back to fougeres along the road below there now would not any one think that she had a mind to bite us asked hulot there look there old nanny goat the commandant pointed to three or four of his own sentries some fifty paces behind whose hats uniforms and guns were easily recognizable do you want the men whom marcheterre is sending to help the ga to have their throats cut the fougeres people want to catch them he said angrily oh i beg your pardon the woman answered but it is so easy to make a mistake what parish do you come from she asked from st george's cried two or three of the fougere men in bas breton and we are perishing of hunger very well stop a moment said the woman do you see that smoke yonder my house is there if you follow the track to the right you will come out up above it perhaps you may meet my husband on the way galope chopin has to keep a lookout so as to warn the ga for he has come to our house to-day you know she added proudly thanks good woman hulot answered forward he added speaking to his men tonnerre de dieu we have him now at these words the detachment followed the commandant at a run down the footpath that had been pointed out to them but when galope chopin's wife heard the oath which so little beseemed a catholic uttered by the supposed shuan she turned pale she looked at the gaiters and goatskins of the lads from fougeres 
sat herself down on the ground and held her child in a tight embrace as she said may the holy virgin of Oray and the blessed saint labre have mercy upon us i do not believe that those are our people their shoes have no nails to them run along the lower road and tell your father about it his head is at stake she said to the little boy who vanished among the broom and furs like a fawn mademoiselle de verneuil however had met no one belonging to either side upon her way though blues and chouans were hunting each other in the labyrinth of fields that lay round galop chopin's cabin when she came in sight of the column of bluish smoke which rose from the half-ruined chimney of the wretched dwelling she felt her heart beating so violently that the quick vibrating throbs seemed to surge into her throat she stopped laid her hand on the branch of a tree to steady herself and gazed at the smoke which was to serve for a beacon alike to the friends and foes of the young chief never before had she felt such overwhelming emotion ah i love him too much she said to herself in a kind of despair perhaps to-day i shall have command of myself no longer she suddenly crossed the space that lay between her and the hovel and came into the yard whose muddy surface was now hard frozen the great dog flew barking at her but at a word from galop chopin he ceased and wagged his tail as she entered the hut mademoiselle de verneuil gave a comprehensive glance round it the marquis was not there marie breathed more freely she was glad to see that the shoeman had made an effort to restore some amount of cleanliness to the one dirty room of his den galop chopin seized his duck gun took leave of his visitor without uttering a word and went out with his dog marie went after him as far as the threshold and watched him turn to the right when outside his cabin into a lane whose entrance was barred by the decayed trunk of a tree that was almost dropping to pieces from the doorway she could see field beyond field the bars across their openings made a sort of vista of gateways for the bareness of the trees and hedges enabled the eye to see the smallest details in the landscape as soon as galop chopin's great hat was quite out of sight mademoiselle de verneuil went out and turned to the left to gain a view of the church at fougere but the shed hid it from her completely then she turned her gaze upon the Couenon valley which lay beneath her eyes like a great sheet of muslin its whiteness made the lowering sky with its gray snow clouds seem heavier yet it was one of those days when nature seems to be dumb and every sound is absorbed by the air so that although the blues and counter were traversing the country in three lines in the form of a triangle that diminished as they came nearer and nearer to the cabin the silence was so deep 
that Mademoiselle de Verneuil felt a trouble caused by her surroundings, and a sort of physical sadness was added to her mental anguish. There was calamity in the air. At last, in a spot where the vista of Echaliers was screened off by a few trees, she saw a young man leaping over the bars like a squirrel and running with wonderful speed. It is he, she said to herself. End of section 24